0: You're listening to the New Century Multiverse Secret Rooms Definitive Edition Chapter Nine The Solitary Pianist
1: From the Journal of Tabitha Chorley, Elkview, West Virginia, October twelfth, eighteen eighty-two. We return to rest and resupply this morning our work in sissonville appears to be over the wendigos eliminated houses cleared bodies laid to rest and the city is now more than ready for resettlement i found myself wandering in the outskirts of elkview with my free hour after lunch since we established that most of the doomed population gathered in the centre during the siege all those years ago some of the domiciles further outside were left in relatively undisturbed condition, and I wanted a look. I will never truly feel comfortable opening the door to someone's house and stepping in to investigate, and there is that ingrained, morbid sense of cataloguing the affairs of the dead that I have tried so hard to avoid. But at the same time, I feel we should remember the world before the Wendigo, how challenging it still was, but what simple joys we could mine from it nonetheless it is those we have to carry forwards with us this time in a shady cottage i found sat proudly in between one bed and the wardrobe of all things a piano my heart leapt a little spying its dusty carapace it had not been disturbed and so the revealing of its keys was going to be a tiny release one which i shamefully wished to keep for myself i gingerly smoothed at the cover treasuring the anticipation until my fingers found something that dispelled my vain fantasy in a moment. It was a keyhole. Sure enough, the cover was held fast, and a rush of frustration welled up inside me. By all means, I could break this lock. I had the tools on my belt to do exactly that, but it seemed to me an altogether hideous violation. I stood for some moments staring and considering. Should I simply leave it? no the thought that somebody else might stand in the same spot as i and conversely not hold back on their determination to crack their way in stimulated my disgust and spurred me on the key must be found and i was the only one to do it i searched drawers again gently trying my hardest not to disturb the imprints of life still preserved in this tiny museum Once everything had been moved and upset, and the house no longer sat in the way its former owners had wished, it would be as though they had finally departed this earth. I looked high and low, feeling in the grooves of candle-holders, running my hands along the undersides of drawers, and spying under cabinets. Most of all, I searched the piano and its surrounding environs, marking finger-trails in the accumulated dust. Behind a curtain I found where the child of the house had slept-the bed neatly made, toys scattered about. My eye fell on a bear. It was tattered and chewed, maybe even handed down; not a first favorite bear-that would have been taken by the child to the siege. I stopped this line of thought in its tracks-that was too far, too much eulogizing once again. The bear had a ribbon around its neck and was face down in the pile of ownerless plate-things. Delicately I picked him up and turned him over, and my hand went to my lips as the key revealed itself, adorning the ribbon necklace of this second-favorite bear, small and brass, and unmistakably correct for this keyhole. I worked at the knot on the ribbon, but it was absolutely rigid. I pulled out my knife and prepared to sever the ribbon. The violent action made me stop, once again, and check myself. I surmised that if the child's parents would not have cut the ribbon, then neither would I. So I brought the bear over to the piano and gently plied the still-attached key into its home. It turned with a magnanimous click, and that lid finally opened up for me, releasing its decade-preserved atmosphere in the process." Slowly seating myself and laying the bear down, I touched the keys. Of course, after ten summers of expansion, and ten winters of contraction, it was out of tune, and I was rather rusty myself. But as I began to play, the sounds it produced powerfully expressed the situation we find ourselves in today, the darkened ruins of our past mingling with the faint but ineradicable light of our future."
2: the journal of abigail gray elkview west virginia october 12 1882 i woke up ready to take on the world emerged from the bunk room geared up to start cartographer training would we begin with diplomacy lessons which some might say i sorely need or would i be further trained in firearms horse riding expert survival or the particulars of the wendigo and how best to dispatch them I spent four fucking hours irrigating a goddamn cabbage patch. I could have done that back at Weirwood, except the right-thinking folks there agreed with me that cabbage tastes like a mule's asshole and we'd be far better off using our farm space to grow carrots and potatoes. After a hearty lunch of cabbage, I was permitted an hour to wander the town making new friends. I'd made so many in the cabbage field already, it felt like overindulgence. There was Rudy, the fellow who can and will sing every song in the Confederate marching list back to back for four hours. There was Jonas, a boy with an unending list of things he wants to do, most of which seem to involve prostitutes. Festus, a man who seemingly lives off cabbages. I worked up wind of him, but I still kept jumping at what May have been gunshots. Then there was Marjorie, the girl who can't talk. Her I liked. My hope right now is that I can impress upon someone of rank among these people my organizational abilities. There is no way I should be on vegetable detail. It's a waste of my skills. Unless that is a certain person figured I needed humbling after yesterday. The joke's on her, it hain't worked. I hadn't seen James since breakfast, so I had a wander round the town, quietly glad to see some new sights and faces. The smell of the place is what has me over a barrel. You get used to the smell of home, and that odor becomes your whole world. We kept closer to Weirwood than it's really healthy to be for such a long passage of time. Here and now, I can sense all new aromas, mixing with some I haven't smelled since I was 16. One that knocked me for six, and had my mouth set to water and turned out to be cayenne pepper, some of which I could have done with at lunch. There's a lot of horse shit in this place, too. lot of horses, lot of shit. That gets pretty overwhelming, so I stayed clear of the stables when it obviously grew most aggressively potent. I may have to brave it at some point as they have an array of fine animals and I would very much like to get acquainted with an equine soul or two. The river running through the town also brings a different air to the place. In the past, I approached the river further south where it runs up by Charleston, but that was on scouting missions for Catherine sometime in 74 and the snap in the air had me ruminating on that day. Standing in the open, convinced there was danger all around me, all my tension and fear and desire to return to safety engaged in tumultuous war with my compulsion to just follow that river and see how far I could get. A song ran by me on the breeze. Somebody was playing a piano. Terribly. I made my way through the houses as the sounds grew louder and more dissonant. Locating the building of its source, I peeped in the window. ...and saw a woman in Reunified States Army uniform... ...sat at this dusty old ghost of a piano. She was tapping at the keys... ...lovingly. Not seeming to mind the crime against ears that was coming out as a result. Possibly tone deaf. Perhaps insane. Curious, I knocked on the window... ...and she turned and waved me in. I'm sorry to intrude...
1: Don't be. This
2: isn't my house. I was going to say you'd need to clean it up some if it was. I'm a new recruit. Abigail Gray. Nice to meet you. I'm Tabitha. The one from the book? Actually, yes. That's me. Jeepers. This is the first time I've met a famous person. Well, I mean, except Annie Oakley. She's in the book, too, and she brought me here.
1: Oh, I know Captain Annie. How is she
2: doing? Well, she's cheerful. She is at that. So, you're the bone collector.
1: Yes, I am. One of many, and amongst other things.
2: Can you... No. Yes, actually. Can you sign my book? Oh. You must have been asked that already. Not really. It was only published this July. I just like how you ended your story. It was kind of hopeful, and I like that. Here. Just... Yeah, the inside cover. I should have gotten Annie to sign it, too. Here you go. Thank you. So, what are you doing today?
1: Just taking a walk. This house is pretty much untouched, so I was... Looking uh...
2: around. Yeah, I get it. This place kind of reminds me of my old home.
1: Doesn't it? Look at the jam jars over there in the cupboard. My mother used the same kind of lids and labels.
2: Hey, do you think they're still fresh? Oh, no. No.
1: It's just gonna be Crystallized Sugar Mush now.
2: I need to see this for myself. I think it would be unfair of us not to at least test them before we pronounce them dead. Here, you got some raspberry? I'll try it first in case it's very bad. How is it? Well, it's, um... It's Crystallized Sugar Mush, but it's still pretty delicious. You
1: want some? No, but I mean I had fresh jam last week.
2: I have only just left the house I've been staying at for ten years. The only sweetness we had back there was honey.
1: Well, this house is making people all kinds of happy today.
2: I heard you playing, of course. You must really miss the piano. It's really out of tune. So am I. First I've heard in a pig's age. And I mean precisely that. We had a pig die of old age last year. (laughs) Actually, I have a serious question I've been meaning to ask around here. I just haven't found the right person yet. And I'm asking you because you're in a unique position to confirm or disconfirm this situation. Interesting. Go ahead. Well, first up, by what route have you been traveling West Virginia with your team? Oh, We've moved around it
1: clockwise, going down as far as Mercer County and Princeton, then back up and around through Ripley and the areas round Parkersburg. But there's still a lot of space, still left unexplored in the middle. Where did you hail from?
2: Weirwood, just outside Charleston.
1: You're in luck, then. Last I heard, we were planning to take back that city by close of December. Stick around long enough, and you could probably help with that.
2: Well, it's not my home. I mean... It is, but that's not where I was born. My town's Clearwater. Oh. Or was? That's my question. Did you go through there? Some 60, 70 miles south of here, I believe, below the Kanawha River? Does the name ring a bell at all? I'm sorry, but it doesn't. Oh, that's okay. What are the odds you'd be going to that area soon? I could tag along. I'm heading south. To North Carolina tomorrow. You know, in any other circumstance, that statement might seem confusing. Well,
1: indeed. You're welcome to tag along, as you say. But you're going to need to speak to your commanding officer.
2: Who I guess would be Oakley.
1: Abigail, in our position, we don't get to make personal calls. I hope you realize this. Annie will almost certainly say the same thing. We have to go where
2: our orders say. Of course... I realize that. This is just a, a highly tactical connection with a perspective. Oh, God. She's not gonna let me go, is she? I'm so close. I just, I wanted to see the town for myself before I go gallivanting off around the country and most likely never swing back this way again. You have family in Clearwater? I was with the kids that got evacuated. My mother and father could be alive or dead or wendigos right now. I'm sorry, Tabitha. This is private business. I had no right to burden you with it. No, I understand. Let
1: me think about it. We'll give you the best possible way to frame this request.
2: Oh. Thank you, Tabitha.
1: Now, if you'll excuse me. I have a piano to attempt to tune.
2: I think I can spare a few more minutes for my cabbage patch. That is, if you need a set of ears almost entirely ignorant of the finer aspects of musical structure. I do.
0: have been listening to Episode 9 of Secret Rooms The Solitary Pianist, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Tabitha Chorley, performed by Maureen Foley. Long Note 2 and Ossuary, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Claire Lune, composed by Claude Debussy. Make Your Decision, by Dan Phillipson of Shockwave Sound many soundscapes by tabletop audio our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode so thank you too Joel Robinson Benjamin Biddle Abel Savard Michael Hasco, Angus Lee Marty Hui David Sheely, Kevin Weahy Daniel Salguero Connor Kennedy Brian Novak Evan Jankowski Sarah Montgomery Dan Hepner, Johan Clayson Tyler Long Joe Gassiga Greg Downing Tim Rosensky, Christopher Wolf, Kat Esman, Cassandra Newman, Timothy Green, Matthew A. Siebert, Joseph Gluck, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicole, James Enright, Mark Luxch, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Dashler, and Lorraine Chisham. Just before we go, it is worth pointing out that the first book in Phase 2 of New Century has just been released, Uncivil Outlaw. And this is the first one that I am doing without the audio adaptation coming first. So that's Uncivil Outlaw, now available on Amazon, via the Kindle Store, or a beautiful paperback edition. And this one is a gripping, page-turning political thriller. But it's also filled with mayhem, action, and humor. So if you've read or listened up to Steamheart, This book is your next port of call, and if you've already read it, Uncivil Outlaw could do with a few reviews.